Good morning. So if you're here last week, you know we started a couple of things. Uh, first off, we started the what-if experiment, which I'm going to jump into in just a moment. And uh, we also started growing our beards. And um, you can see how Stevie started. And I want you to know, even though if you're looking at the screen, you, or if you're beyond three rows back, you can't tell, but I started as well. And um, I want you to know I have a representative in each district. Um, but other than that, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So uh, that's looking forward to our Christmas series coming up uh, in a couple months. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're diving into what if, the what if experiment. We're going to talk about generosity uh, this morning. And, and I'm not sure if you're like me, but by nature, my issue with the what if experiment is that I'm not generous. I'm practical. But I'm learning the impact of generosity. A few years ago, I was in Walmart, and a, and a woman and her grown daughter were in line ahead of me. And uh, as the total came up at the checkout counter, they, they really began to kind of panic. And they exchanged these looks with each other that just let us know that something was wrong. And I could overhear their conversation. They were speaking loud enough for a lot of people to hear their conversation. And what had happened was they had already gone to the pharmacy counter, and they had dropped off their prescriptions. And, and then they went and they, they got groceries, because at Walmart, you can do it all. And, uh, and so... They got up, though, to the checkout counter, and they realized that the grocery total and the prescription total uh, wasn't going to work out. They were going to have to put something back. And they began to have this conversation about which medicine do we do without? Um, is there a, a night where we could do a, a meal differently? Is there, is there something we can put back? And I'm looking in their cart, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm like, I don't, I don't see any waste. I don't see, I mean, they're just kind of getting by, but... You know, I've never been in that position before uh, by the grace of God where I've had to make a decision of put groceries back or, or afford medicine for my family. But that's the position that they were in. And they were talking in circles for what felt like an hour, but I, I know it was only a few minutes. And the line behind me is backing up and I'm getting just a little bit un- impatient, just to be honest. And uh, the people behind me appear to be getting real impatient. And I'm watching people exchange glances. I'm, I'm watching people roll their eyes at each other. And, and the mom and, and daughter stepped away for a few moments. They just said, we don't know what to do. We, we need to go talk about this. And so sometimes God does things that I really wished he wouldn't. Um, like put an amount in my head and whisper, buy a gift card. Now... <laughs> I'm not generous. I'm practical. I'm learning the impact of generosity. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to define generosity here in just a moment. But by practicality, I just mean, you know, a lot of times if I, if I see a need and maybe if even I can measure a need or, or whatever, I can, I can take part in, in fulfilling that need. But I, I'm not generous. I'm just, I'm practical. And so, I don't know if you know this or not, but the magical people at Walmart, they can actually... They can actually put something on hold and go to the next person. Now, if I had known that prior to this, then Jesus and I may not have just had the conversation that we had. But finally, she's put this, this mom and daughter on hold, and she's come to me, and I've only got a couple or three things. I don't know what they were, probably coffee, cream, and sugar. That's pretty much what it sends me to Walmart. And so I've got, I've got the deal there, and I just said to her, I, I pulled a gift card off the rack, and, and I said... Will this cover it? Will this cover what they need? She smiled and said, yes, I, I, I think so. I said, here's the deal. I said, when they come back, just tell them it's from Jesus. 
And so I walked to the exit door and, and I couldn't resist just turning around for, for just a moment and watching their, re, their reaction as they realized, not, not me, but God had provided everything they needed. You know, sometime later, I was called to... Um, oh. Sometime later, I was called to the home of a lady that I didn't know at the time. She attends our church, and her husband had just passed away, and he had passed away way too young. And she had asked for me to, to come do the funeral. And I remember walking into her house, and across the living room, she's, she's sitting in her chair, and she looks up, and, and she smiles even in her grief. And she says, I, I know that you don't know me, but, but I know you. I said, really, how is that? She said, well, I work at Walmart. And I was working the cash register when you handed me a gift card for the people in line in front of you. See, I'm not generous. I'm practical. I saw a need. But I'm learning the impact of generosity. I'm learning the ripple effects. I'm learning what God can do with it. I'm learning that generosity is a way that we can put God on display even when people don't even know our names, but they know, they can see that there is something more inside of us. Generosity does that. It puts Him on display, which is absolutely what I want to have happen with every moment of my life. You don't have to know me. You don't have to know my name. You don't have to know anything about me. But if you know that Jesus died on the cross for me, and because of that, I am overflowing with generosity because of what He's done for me, that's enough. You know, the Bible describes generosity as something that can be learned. It's it's just like anything else that, that can form in our lives as we walk with God. It's, it's just like prayer or, or Bible reading or just learning to rely on Him in any area of your life. Listen, those things are not natural. They're supernatural. They're the work of the Spirit of God within us. And, and in all of those areas and in the area of generosity, everyone starts somewhere. And whatever your starting point is today, you as well as, as I can, you can learn and grow and learn the impact of generosity. Generosity is just selflessness by its, by its very nature. It's kindness that's demonstrated to others. It's defined as going above and beyond. It's defined as, as, as being open-handed with the things that God has put in your life rather than tight-fisted. Author Kim Blanchard just defines it this way. He says, generosity is not about doing the minimum. It's every day looking for opportunities to do the unexpected. See, I'm practical see a need, meet a need. I can do that. But generosity is not just about that. Generosity is about going above and beyond just what the needs are. Generosity is not about doing the minimum. It's every day looking for opportunities to do the unexpected. And the Bible teaches that generosity is for everyone. It also teaches that the more you practice generosity, the more generous you can become. The more you follow God's plan for generosity, the more he gives you the ability to be generous. And when it comes to this attribute of generosity, when it comes to giving, it's something that God, it's really the only thing where God says this. He says to all of us, if you don't believe me, test me. Test me in this. And that test me we find is in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 where it says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, God says. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, 
I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now that's a test I want to get involved in. I mean, I don't think anyone has ever actually seen that. Maybe you have. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever walked into a church that's ever actually experiencing that, where everyone is engaged in generosity all together. And God, because of that, God responds by saying, listen, I'm going to pour out from the throne room of heaven, from my storehouse, which is way bigger than your storehouse. I'm going to pour out for you more than you could ask or imagine, more than you could ever expect. And if you don't believe me, just test me in this. Man. That's worth at least the experiment. I mean, I don't know what you believe about God today. I mean, if you believe that maybe he's just partially a liar, I don't know. But if you believe that just he's partially telling the truth, it's worth the test to find out. And in Malachi chapter 3, Malachi is an interesting book. I, I actually really love the book of Malachi. I've read it several times. And here's what you need to know about the people of Israel at this time. When it comes to this, they, they are living in, in mediocrity. You see, God has given them instructions on, on how to give but they have not been following it. Giving the, the tithe or the first tenth of their income had been defined as obedience since Abraham had practiced it. But a- Abraham gave as an act of worship. But it wasn't just that they were supposed to give something. In God's previous instructions, they were supposed to give their first and their best to God. The first of their flocks as sacrifices, the first of their crops, basically their income, they were supposed to give him first and best, and they had not been doing that, and so they were just floundering. They were wondering if having God in their lives really mattered that much. I mean, they were coming to to worship regularly, but in the back of their minds, they were always wondering if there was something more. I mean, you got to understand, in the book of Malachi, people are giving, It's not that they weren't giving anything. People are giving. The the needs of the church were being met. There were some some good things going on, but they were just things that were just, it was just kind of regular, run-of-the-mill church stuff. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this in, in your life, but I don't know, maybe if you've ever been in a time, maybe you're like this today, where you just feel like, you know what, the, my Christian life, this, this walk with God is just kind of normal. It's just kind of, if I'm being honest, it's, maybe it's a little bit mediocre. And you know what, I feel like because we're coming, because we're worshiping God, we're singing about Christ alone as the cornerstone. We're talking about God who gave his son Jesus. It feels like there should be more going on here, but in my life, there's really not that much going on. And God says God's formula for how to shake that up is to give. And his desire to be close to his people and his desire not for his people to experience mediocrity, but in his desire for them to experience the abundant life journey found only in him. God calls out to his people in Malachi and he says, return to me. You understand they're already doing good stuff. But God says, no, 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 come close come close. His people at this point have have taken him for granted. And God chooses to woo his people back with a test. And the way he chooses to shake things up is in the area of giving. And first and foremost, giving to the church. God's plan always begins with the church. When you come to worship, you bring your, your first gifts, your best gifts, and they should be done first and foremost, set obedience aside, they should be done first and foremost as an act of worship. That's God's formula. And as you go into the experiment, we've got to make sure we've got the right ingredients or stuff's going to blow up and it won't be pretty. And so we've got to understand that God's formula is that we give him our first 
and best as an act of worship in the church. That's always been his formula in God's generosity experiments. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I don't know about you, but I don't even have a vat. And so I'm really excited that, listen, whatever God is going to do, he wants to fill it up. We don't know what he will do, but he wants to fill it up. Test me in this, he says. And at some point, someone listening to the message of the prophet, the message from God, must have stepped back and and just said, okay, what if? I mean, we have stories about this God. This is the God who called us his treasured possession. This is is the God who who walked with us through the desert. This is the God who, who parted the Red Sea. This is the God who made the walls of Jericho fall down. This is the God who who used a teenage shepherd boy to to slay a giant. This is the God who answers prayers. Now he's saying he's not done. He will respond when we bring our first and our very best. So at some point, someone's got to ask the question. And I hope all of you are asking the question in your mind. What if he means it? I mean, seriously, what if this is true? What if God can be trusted? What if his word is true? What if... He really will open up the windows of heaven. What if he does pour out a blessing so great that we don't have room for it? What if? I think it's worth the experiment in describing a life lived differently than everyone else in the world. Jesus taught about things like loving your enemies and and not judging others. And he he talked about it in the context of his Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in in Matthew and Luke. And he spent a big portion of this sermon talking about giving. And about giving, he says things like, listen, your stuff on earth is going to rust. It's going to deteriorate. Moths are going to come in and, and destroy it. He says, so lay up treasures in heaven. And he says, you can't, you can't do both. You can't spend your life doing both. You can't have both treasures on, on earth and treasures in heaven in the way that Jesus is talking about. He says, listen, you can't serve the kingdom of God and money. So then he says, don't worry. And in that sermon where he's talking about worry so much, Jesus gets to the heart of it and he says, don't worry about material things. He says, don't you understand? God cares for the, the flowers of the field and the birds in the sky and, and how much more does he love and want to take care of you? And Jesus says, God will take care of everything you need when you seek his kingdom first. And then in his sermon in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be, into, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever bought a box of cereal or a bag of chips and just felt gypped? I mean, let's be honest. Now, my boys, I mean, they love, they love going shopping with mom. And, and moms, I understand you guys don't always love it when they go shopping. But when they do, you know, you give them something to do and, and they'll, they get to pick out their own chips. And my boys, they, they get upset about this. I mean, it's like, listen, how much are we paying for the chips? How come they're only giving us this much and the rest of this bag is filled with air? They will not only pick out their chips, but they will, they will start taking different bags and filling up as if they're going to be able to figure out which bag has the most in it. And they want to know who the people are who are taking the rest of the chips. And if you're in here today, you need to run. You need to hide because the whole world is mad at you. I mean, seriously. When I open my box of Cocoa Pebbles... 
I want, yes, or Fruity Pebbles is fine. I want it to be full. But when I open that bag, if I can stick my arm in down to my elbow before I get to cereal, this is not a pleasant thing for me. I paid $4.50 for this box. Are you kidding me? Jesus says, let me tell you something. If you give the way that I'm describing, Jesus says, I will fill up the box. In fact, I will fill up the box so much that you're going to have trouble with the box. It's going to be the jumbo box, and there's going to be stuff pouring out of it. It's going to get on your lap. It's going to get a little bit messy. You better make sure you bring some milk with you. In fact, why don't you bring a bowl and bring some friends with you? Because if you give the way that I describe, it's going to be pouring out all over you. That's what God says happens when we get active with his plan for generosity. When we give him our first, when we give him our best as an act of worship. And this is repeated over and over again in scripture. A generous person, a generous family, a generous church will get into a cycle with God that allows them to continue to be generous. Because from the measure that you give is the measure that he will give back to you. The more you practice generosity, the more God will provide for your needs and increase your ability to be generous. All the, the scriptures are filled with this thought. Deuteronomy chapter 15 says, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you, listen, in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. I want you to catch this, okay? Because not only as we give, does God give back to us and measure according to what he can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. But if you'll look at these verses... In every area, when we start with generosity, when we start with financial generosity and giving, it begins to impact every area of our lives. The writer in Deuteronomy, Moses says from God, he says, it will happen in everything you put your hand to. Proverbs chapter 11 says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. And the Hebrew word there just means overflow, overflow. The same thought that Jesus had in Matthew 6. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then the Apostle Paul, as as, as brilliant and bright a guy as he was, he tries to give us just this kind of simple visual that a lot of you know that that sticks in our heads because it is so simple about how this actually works. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He goes on to say, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for 